Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 216 of the Quickie Podcast. Hope you are doing well. I am your host, Dave Hopkins, and uh, thanks for spending a little bit of time here with me and my guest today. I haven't posted a new episode in a couple of weeks. I took a couple weeks just to sit still, think, ponder, and learn. Learn more about racial equality, learn about how um, you know, and think about how this podcast can better represent people of color, black people, Hispanic people, all sorts of people of color with different backgrounds. Um, I never wanted to be a podcast where it was all um, white men and women. I wanted to have diverse stories from diverse experiences because I think that's truly beneficial and truly representative of the creative community. Um, but I got to be honest, I can do a better job of that. And um, I'm going to. So I took some time to think about that and how I could put that into action and some time to learn myself um, as a white male on what I can do and what I should be doing, what I should be talking to my kids about um, with all of this, uh, with the racial inequality that goes on in the world, the systemic racism. And um, I've started the journey of, of doing better. That's, that's all I can say. Uh, and and I encourage you to do the same thing. It's it's it needs to be it needs to be looked after. It needs to be it needs to be addressed. It's a very serious issue affecting our entire culture, um, and we need to take responsibility for it. Acknowledge that it's really screwed up, and do better. Um, maybe that starts with learning, and and just reading and watching the right documentaries, whatever it is. Just just start. Don't don't be complicit. Learn about it. Just learn about it and what you can do. Um, now, the reason I wanted to share that is, well, one, where I've been the last couple of weeks, and two, um, because at the end of this episode, the last five or seven minutes of this episode, um, I had a very, very interesting conversation with my guest. My guest asked a specific ask it forward question that really just hit me in the gut, like a gut punch. And I needed to immediately just sort of open up and and be honest with where I sat based on his question. So I'm not going to spoil that because it's good. So listen to the whole episode because it's full of good stuff. And who is this guest? My guest today is Daryl J. Pinnock. He is the designer at DP Creates. And he is also the host of Passion Behind the Art podcast. You know, it's fun interviewing other podcasters. And we talk about that at the beginning of this episode where, you know, as a podcast host, you're preparing for an interview to be on somebody else's show. And you don't want like your, you know, your podcast brain to kick in and pretend like you're the host. And, you know, you want to give value to that person's audience as well. And it's just a weird thing, you know, being a podcaster and being on a podcast. It's kind of funny. Uh, Anyways, during this episode, Daryl and I talk about how he was born in Jamaica and was a math whiz. So as you can imagine, design wasn't really his first and initial trajectory. We talk about where his creativity started. We talk about some of the designers that he looks up to and follows closely and why. He then tells us about his move to Georgia. Um, not from Jamaica to Georgia, he was in the States already, but his move to Georgia and why it was the most challenging time in his design career and how he overcame that. 
He then shares the struggles that he faced trying to find his, you know, his creative community, find that community that felt right to him in this new area and how he found that. We talk about the web design and e-commerce project that went off the rails for him, why it went off the rails and what he learned. And then we talk about the struggle with finding balance. It's a struggle that I'm sure we've all faced. He shares his thoughts on it. And then right at the end, we talk about racial inequality. And I kind of put my hand up and say something that creates an incredible conversation. And you're just going to have to listen to that. So let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Daryl J. Pinnock. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Daryl, thanks so much for joining me on the show this morning. How are you? Dude, this is an honor. Always cool to jump on another fellow podcaster's show. I know, right? Like we were talking before, it's like a little bit nerve wracking when you're on somebody else's show. Like, you know, if I fail in performance, it's my show. It's my problem. But if I fail on your show, <laughs> it's like a bigger deal. You know, it. it's pretty much that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's, al- it's always always weird always weird but i'm definitely honored to be on the show man awesome we'll power through your anxiety but first i gotta ask you are you ready for a quickie let's do it boy. let's start with the tough stuff briefly tell the listeners about yourself about myself my name is daryl pinnock and i'm a designer podcaster do teaching um mentorship so it's a lot under the half under the hat but it's mainly i'm designing and podcasting almost every day all day awesome tell me a little about teaching and um and being a mentor because that's a that's a big deal it's such an important thing in especially the designer well a lot of it for me is more on not so much uh, specific to a designer but mm-hmm. more specific to creatives oh cool and that's something that i don't really put out too much because it's usually like a one-on-one basis and as needed and like just being part of you know church and stuff like that there are different times where you know that's required for me to have to like you know sit down with someone or a group of people and kind of walk them through like how to separate just being a creative from being a business person or how to get people motivated on taking the next steps and not just be a dreamer but taking action you know that's interesting you say that because from the best of my knowledge when you're in design school you're learning design you're learning creative you're learning all the nuts and bolts of of succeeding in that you're not learning how to be a freelancer how to run a business like they're two very different channels and the biggest the biggest uh thing that you you're not told is that you're actually going to have to work more than your nine to five. <laughs> That's the secret. That's the secret right there. <laughs> yes, you will have some creative freedom. Yes, you won't be tied to that nine to five schedule, although it's beneficial and it's going to be more work. Yes, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So that's, you know, it's, 
I think it's really important for creatives to to recognize that, you know, as early as possible to decide, like, am I that kind of person who wants to take on all that extra work and accounting and all of the other boring stuff that's not just <laughs> like creative design? Or do I want to be the person that like stays in the creative lane and just gets to design and create? Like you just you just you just mentioned the creative's worst nightmare, accounting. <laughs> exactly. The, the the numbers and the details and those those stuff that, you know, at, at firms and other organizations someone else does. Yeah. That's that that's their forte. There's a but person like, for that. Yeah, exactly. But like when you're trying to do your own thing, it's like so many different hats you have to wear. And you know, it could become nerve wracking, but you know, the hope is that because it's your passion, it will push you through. Yeah. So it so the fact that it's your passion is is actually necessary. It's very important that's something that you're into because that's the only way something that's hard doesn't seem as hard. Yeah. Then then the other side of it, sales. Yikes. Selling stuff. <laughs> it's an art in it itself. Hurts. Awesome, man. Well, Daryl, I want to kick this back and we want to start way back in childhood here. I want to hear what your childhood was like? Do you feel that you had a creative childhood that sort of pointed you in this career path? Yeah, I would say yes. Um, I'm pretty much like any, for most other creatives, I was drawing. I, I mean, I was born in Jamaica, so I was drawing in the islands. Nice. And um, just drawing anything you could think of. Drawing mostly like, you know, word art, um, comic books. The whole nine, like always drawing, always being drawn to that aspect, always doing my my best classes or art classes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was I was drawing from an early age, and um, it was it was always like a part of me to be a creative. So it didn't just stay with drawing; it went to singing, it it went to it went to the arts, it went to to just doing in plays, it, mm -hmm. it, like all of it, drama, all of that stuff. I, w I embraced the arts. I mean, the only part I didn't get, which I wish I did now that I'm doing all of this stuff, is the writing. Mm -hmm. Because, like, that part is probably the most important part to design is the writing. Yeah, it's a big part. There's a reason there's copywriters, right? <laughs> there's a reason <laughs> that's a specific career in its own. Yeah, not until you're, like, wearing these different hats and having to understand, like, how to communicate a message um you realize that how important the words are mm -hmm. who's putting the words together how are you putting the words together and what words are you using who are you speaking to and what words speak to who mm -hmm. and you know so ideally i wish i had a better grasp of that part but you know what i mean it's always good to have people around you that could help you with that Definitely, man. That's such a similar, um, you know, being into the arts. I was very much into the arts as a child, but drawing was the part I was always worst at. Singing, like drama. I did musicals as a kid. Like I rocked those musicals, like loved them. But when it came to drawing, no talent whatsoever. Wow. Just none. <laughs> Like That's I remember, crazy. I always tried to draw um, the Corvette. I loved Corvettes when I was a kid. And drawing cars i always wanted to draw cars and i was always horrible at them i'd look at these pictures i'm like easy i'll just copy the picture no problem and it would look nothing like it it would look horrible <laughs> just never dude you know what yo cars are no joke to draw totally 
you can never it's that gosh darn perspective and proportion is always always a little wonky no matter how much you try yep the part that i always struggled was the wheel well like i have this wheel and tire just floating in this like half circle (laughs) how do i make it feel like it's a part of the car instead of just some random circle right (laughs) yeah for the most part we all kind of omit that part yeah, exactly. No tires on this vehicle. <laughs> I just like it with no tires. <laughs> awesome, man. So do you remember, like, you're, you're drawing as a kid, you're loving the arts. Do you remember when you started noticing design out in the world? Dude, um, me getting into design was so far um, from my, even my college years. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually when I was growing up, I actually wanted to be an architect. So yep. after, because I was good with math. So I was like, what caters to my artistic ability and math? Mm-hmm. So, you know, math was like second nature to me. I could just see numbers very clearly. So I was like, architecture makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll do architecture. Um, so I went to, I started architecture school, dude. I mean, I was like, this is great. Until I had to get to the class, the aspect of architect- architecture that has nothing to do with actually a pencil, colors, or the lines. It was the actual math part. Yeah. And, you know, man, I had a structural beam design class. And, dude, you could know the answer. You could, um, it could be an open book test and you could still fail. That's how difficult it was. Man, that, even just the name of the class sounds hard. <laughs> Structural you know, beam class. But, you know, I was pushing through, and I don't want to give the impression that, like, I left architecture because it was hard, because that's what I wanted to do. To be honest, I just caught wind of graphic design, and it mm-hmm. completely distracted me. It was so cool to me that I could no longer focus on architecture. So what, how did you catch wind? What, what did you see? What did, was there a counselor that like brought it up with you? Like, how did you get turned on to design? It was through web. One of my, this guy I knew, um, we, we did some video stuff together. He was part of like the production at my, at a church that I went to mm-hmm. and he introduced me to web and I got caught and you know, Web design kind of opened my eyes to this world that I didn't even know really. You know, you know it's there. Yes. And when you find out that it's there, you're like, of course it's there. But this whole time, you're not really thinking about this world. Mm-hmm. Um, so web design kind of opened my eyes. So that's how I kind of really caught my eye to design and then um, started op- just just researching, learning about different stuff. Awesome. And what was your family's response when all of a sudden you turned from architect to designer? To be honest, man, until this day, I will never, you know, my mom, like, she just believed in me, man. Like, to be honest, like, she, you know what I mean? I use this as an example, but they are living pretty well. But if I wanted to be a garbage man, like, she would, like, believe in me. She believed that I'll be the best garbage man on the planet. Like, she just, she just filled me with that, that confidence, like, like, you know, and, it, and and at times it was kind of like, you know, like reality hits you in the face and like, Daryl, you ain't really all that. You know what I mean? <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you get out there in the real world, you know what I mean? But she gave me enough confidence to jump out there no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so when I switched, 
You know what I mean? Like a lot of money went into it, a lot of investment. You know what I mean? But she didn't really like kill me or anything like that. She believed in me. And to be honest, like I was still working in the architectural field. I didn't stop officially working in the architectural field until like 2010. Mm -hmm. So I was still working. Design was always my side gig. So I was still working in the architectural field because I got a job. I was doing blueprints and all that stuff. So I was still in the field, but design was like my side thing. The local spots that wanted stuff done and stuff like that, I would take care of them. Got it. So it started being a side gig until it got to a point where it could take over and you could yeah. comfortably leave. So you made like a nice transition over. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was as smooth as I would like it to be. Never is, right? It took a journey. It took, it took, a, it took, my journey was very different spots because there was mm-hmm. a lot going on. And in, in the midst of like architecture, switching to design, I'm I'm getting married. I'm having kids, and there are times where you got to take a job that you know, and, and then leave in a dip, move into a different state, because you know I grew up in New York and then I moved to Georgia. Mm-hmm. So you got to take a job that need to pay the bills. If it, it ain't creative at all, it pays well. You know, you have some expertise, and that's where my numbers came into. Because I was in the financial industry for about ten years, mm-hmm. so that's where my numbers thing kind of helped me out uh, it was a well paying it was a good paying job and i wasn't really because i was in a new state i wasn't really hearing anything design wise and i need to take care of my family so i had to do what i had to do so Definitely. you know those are, it was it, it wasn't like you know one two three boom bomb bomb it was like you know different strides different things opening up different just moving yeah. as the 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 tide comes or as the season changes Totally. No, I hear you there. Navigating those like getting married, finding a house, maybe even moving and having kids, trying to jobs, but I want to be a designer and you're trying to balance all of that stuff. And at the end of the day, family wins, right? So you, and you got to just prioritize that until that's settled and looked after and then you can start pursuing, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure, man. Like that's literally what I had to do until mm-hmm. like, the right doors opened up and I could make this change, to be honest. Yeah, I hear you there, man. So, Gerald, what um, I'm curious to hear from you, who are some of the designers and the brands that you currently look up to uh, or closely follow and what about them do you like? Well, all right, so there are some staples in my life that will always be there. There's some brands that like, I feel like a lot of them are cliche, but I feel like they've been doing it a certain way for such a long time mm-hmm. that, you know what I mean? Like, you would be silly to not just pay attention. So, you know, Coke is one to mm-hmm. kind of just see the consistency. You always get consistency from them. Um, <clears throat> Ralph Lauren, like, I followed that brand from when he, when he first started from, like, nothing yeah. all the way up. And to see what it is now, you know what I mean? From a dude that likes making ties is something that you know what i mean that what it what it is now like yep. and and of course you know nike you know like so these consistent brands and there's another brand that you know it's 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 very much in the financial type deal dave ramsey like when you look at it from a branding aspect and i didn't notice until when i actually talked to the creative director that they 
some of their stuff's kind of like they the the influence was like some the branding influence was like from Nike, like like just they they got inspired. Crazy. So so it's just two different spectrums, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it inspires them. So those are some of the brands that kind of like just like a staple. Look what they're doing. There's mm-hmm. clues there. Pay attention. But I'm very much enamored with the with the lettering world. You know what I mean? I I I I signal noise. Um, geez, what is his name? James White. Is it James White? James White. Like his '80s gradient type deal is just epic. Um, uh, it's always cool to kind of see what 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 he does. Um, all there's so many awesome letterers out there. Like it'll be just like I'll probably get in trouble trying to name names <laughs> because because like I'm good friends with some of them. But like there's so many cool letterers. Uh, um, Matt Vergadis, like his his attention to detail mm-hmm. in his in his in his work is just always cool to see. But like stuff like that, those are like some of the people that I would say. You know what I mean? Kind of stuck out to me like rob zilla like i'm not an illustrator by 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 i mean i'm an illustrator in the dark like his his skills is just like you know what i mean so it's just always cool to kind of see like i'm i'm an appreciator of so many different creatives mm-hmm. and i know the fact that i said those two names i'm gonna get in trouble but it's all good i love y'all all of y'all are awesome no, man, I totally put you on the spot there. Hey, name everybody who you like. <laughs> it's like totally threw you on the spot. So I know you got a, a you know a treasure chest full of amazing, talented friends um, in there. So I won't hold you to name them all. So, Daryl, this is the point of the show where I've got to turn the bus to uh, to the tough stuff. I've got a few questions here that take you through part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes, um, likely learned some lessons. And I want to pull those stories out of you right before we turn it around and we finish up in a happy place. So what has been the most challenging period of time in your creative career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you make it through? Well, my, 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 my challenging time was when I came, when I moved to Georgia. Mm-hmm. That's probably the most challenging creative time up until 20. So that's 2010 to 2015. Okay. Like I was kind of like in this lull of like not working in the creative industry full time anymore. Mm-hmm. Didn't really know much creative friends. Um, all my support system was still in New York. You know what I mean? Like, of course, your wife and your kids are your support system, but they need you more than you need them, and it's just it's just the nature of a dude. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know what I mean? So like. So I was kind of like just yearning for just a community to kind of like get into, not even necessarily to do work, but just people to talk to that's creatives, mm-hmm. just creatives to kind of rub shoulders with, to kind of um, feel a little creative embrace from time to time. So that's probably like the the most challenging time, you know what I mean? Just being in the middle of like trying to, adjust to Georgia and missing all the support that I had in New York. Mm -hmm. No, that's so tough. Um, Where you move to a new area and you, you don't have that same mentorship or support um, in the way that you need it. You know, like you said, your family supports you. 
um, but they they also can't always speak to the creative problems that you're experiencing, um, you know, elsewhere in in the True. creative field, right? So yep, building yep, up yep, that yep. network. So did you just uh, how did you start building that network in in Georgia? How did you how did you get to that spot where you had that support that you were looking for? So I don't to be honest, it's kind of weird. I never never even told this story before, like. One day I was like looking for like, is there music to design to? Like, is that a thing? So I just Google search music to design to. And I don't know how it got me on this podcast, but it got me to listen to a start listening to podcasts. And I ran across the Sean West podcast. Okay. And it just kind of snowballed from there. I eventually joined the community. And that's where, like, my first hint of, like, okay, whoa, there are creatives out there that actually like other creatives, and this is amazing. Like, (laughs) there's, like, no hate. There's no hating. Like, everyone is just... Because, you know, like, especially, like, the early 2000s, like, the creative industry was, like, vicious against each other. I don't know if you ever experienced that, but they were, like, vicious against each no, other. No, I've heard about it. As soon as, you know, the internet gave you a free way to openly, you know, communicate your feelings of people's designs all over the world. It wasn't like, nice. <laughs> opened the floodgates. And people didn't understand, like, oh, like that's just not kind. I would never say that to that person's face. So exactly. why would I say it online? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I got I got involved with the Sean West community, and that kind of, like, opened the doors to, like, different friends. And then, like, once I caught wind of Creative South, because I found out through, of it through the Sean West community, like, the floodgates just opened from there. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So really embracing that creative self community. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, so Daryl, for this next one, I want to get a little bit more specific. Can you take us to a specific design or project that you were a part of that did not go well or did not bring the desired result? What was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that project? Dude, <clears throat> this goes back. This was when I was still in New York and I was working on a project with a lady. She was like a um, like a dressmaker. She made like you know products, yeah. and she also like fixed dresses and stuff like that. Okay. So I was building our website. She was coming out with a line, and she needed like a store on there. So I had to do some e-commerce and stuff like that, man. Mm-hmm. And I was recommended by a friend. She reached out to me, and the project was going good. You know what I mean? Like everything was going well. And it's just like she hit some money problems and the project just started going like downhill from there. Oh, no. I was like, my gosh. Like, so the site was almost done. Like we were at the like. So usually, you know how us designers do. We don't give you the full thing. We give you like, unfortunately, we give you 90%. Before that you could pay us the final amount. Yeah. Then yeah. you get 100%. You know what I mean? And she just wasn't trying to pay. Mm. She was like, design is like down on the bottom of the list yep. of things that she needs to take care of in that moment. Yep. And I was like, man, I hear you got money problems, but... 
You know what I mean? Like you gotta, I did you gotta give work. me something. <laughs> and she wasn't she wasn't she I mean she tell me how she was being she was going to court with her landlord and all this stuff and and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For the for the for the spot that she had. So I, you know, I tried to give her some time and one day she kinda I told her, right, so this is what the plan is, right? I'm gonna strip down the site and I will leave what you actually paid for already. And dude, I did that. I'm in the subway and this at this time there's no reception in the subway no. in New York. I come out, I see I see a voicemail. Oh boy. I, I I put the phone I, I started listening to this voicemail, dude. Man, I heard so many profane words, words I didn't even know existed. It, I was like, what in the world is going on? She was just straight cussing me out for doing this. Like, why did you do this? This is something that I have email records saying she is like, all right, okay. So it's not like she didn't know I was doing it. She probably thought that, you know what I mean? The main important part was, I mean, the store. And I had to strip that part down. It just basically became a viewing site. Yeah. You know what I mean? So she hadn't paid for it. (laughs) So, you know, and and all that work I did was me trusting her that she was going to do the rest of it. You know what I mean? And that project changed so much of my process, even it changed how much I asked for up front. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it changed so much of my process because at that time I was doing 50%. I don't even do 50% up front anymore. I do sometimes 60. All depends. Like if someone I know pretty well and we've done much work, that's different. Yeah. But like new, it's usually somewhere between 60 and 70% up front. Mm-hmm. And the ideal world is 100%. And you know what I mean? I do pitch that initially. If they can't handle it, then I'll start scaling back. You know, so that's a little caveat for my design. If you could pitch 100% up front, go for it. Dude, Always go all for day it. long. <laughs> Plus, it goes so far. Um, you know, the saying in business is like the people who are ready to give you money up front, those people have more value, right? Facts. Because at the end of the day, you're running a business. This isn't just a hobby. <laughs> and if you got somebody ready to pass over a big fat check, yes, sir, I'll get on that work right now. And, and, and actually, it puts more pressure on you. A hundred percent does. Yeah. yeah put more pressure on because like, yo, they just paid me all this money. I got to make sure I deliver. Now. It's a transfer you know? of leverage. Yeah, exactly. Right exactly. now you got all so, their dough. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, got this, this, this voicemail, dude, I didn't even like, I should have probably saved it or whatever the case may be. But you know, in, in, there are times in a de- design career where you're going to, or your creative career where you're just going to be like, you know what? Mm-hmm. It's better off just not dealing with certain people. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's better off to just like, you know what I mean? You could you this this guy told me this one time. An Indian dude was like a, a father figure to me. He was like, Daryl, there's always gonna be opportunity to make money. Mm-hmm. There's always gonna be opportunity. Just move on. You know. Yeah. So I just I deleted the message. I wiped it clean. I was like, as of right now, our contract is over. Um, you know, what I mean, I wish you all the best. You ain't got to worry about paying me nothing more. Um, I also will not be doing any more work. Um, deuces. Yeah. And um, yeah, but it was like. Yo, I've never been cussed out by a client ever. And that was the last time I've ever been cussed out by a client. Jeez. Yeah, so you definitely learned. And what I've heard is that, you know, the terms and conditions on a freelance contract, 
is like each point has a horror story behind it. Or this is in there because this lady thing, this thing happened. This is in there because this guy, this thing. Yeah, yeah. Right? But Just to protect true. yourself. It's, it's true, though. That like, because a lot of this stuff, you don't go in knowing all of this stuff. And in, and especially at that time, before 2010, like, there's so much that wasn't out there that's out now. You know what I mean? So, like, a lot of my contract kind of changed as per the client and the different experiences. Mm -hmm. 100%. Okay, man. Uh, Final question on the tough stuff, and then I'll turn it around here for you. Um, Daryl, what is something that you are struggling with in your design career right now? Mm, That's a good one. And this sounds lame or whatever, but my biggest, especially now that I'm a family man and I'm trying to do more than just be a creative, mm-hmm. is when to when to turn it off. Yep, that's my like my biggest struggle. Like a lot of creatives, and I've talked to them. Like sometimes you can't sleep because your mind, and especially when you have your own thing going. It's one thing when you work for a place, you know what I mean. The minute mm-hmm. you leave that job it's turned off but when it's something that you're building Mm -hmm. it's like there are times i'm up i can't sleep i can't because i just can't stop my mind from turning and there are times where you know you want to draw your your lettering or whatever the case may be and it's actually time to just go be a person like a dad or a husband or a friend or just dude stop and just go watch a show like, I don't even really watch shows like that. Like, sometimes it's just hard to turn off. You're on vacation. And, like, I remember one time I was on vacation. And I looked out the window and I was like, man, I feel like to go do some lettering or do some some, <laughs> some calligraphy. And it's, like, super early. I'm like, no one is up yet. It's safe. <laughs> so I literally went down to the beach and did some work. And it's some of my most proud work. But I was like, you know what? You probably shouldn't have been doing this. You're on vacation, bro, with your family. And those are some of the things, like, you know what I mean? You just, it's it's hard to turn off. And I haven't really mastered it. Yeah, I've probably mastered, like, not mastered, but I've definitely been better at when. Yes. When to do it. When to do these things. You know what I mean? And the only way you could do that for me is, like, putting calendar barriers mm-hmm. you know what i mean putting up barriers to say okay at this time that 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 even though the the, the quarantine kind of killed that for me like mm-hmm. it just threw your whole schedule your routine out of whack because like 100%. everything is is at home is all the time every time it's all mixed together so but i, I feel like that's probably the thing that i've struggled when to turn it off turning it off you know here's here's my thoughts on that is that i think as you know, creative entrepreneurs, we we go through phases where you're you're in a zone. You're in you're in what I would call a building phase, and you want to build and create and 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 share this thing that you're building with the world. But then after that's done, you know you it's good to just sort of sit back and go, I created that. Let's yeah. let's just take her easy and reconnect with the family, reconnect and and you know I don't mean reconnect like I didn't talk to my kids for two months right. or anything like that, <laughs> but like you know put more of that time in. So you know right now I'm in a building phase. So you know I'll do my day job, I'll do what I got to do there. Then in the evenings, you know I'll I'll plug in for dinner with the with the family with the kids, and then the rest of the evening I'm I'm down here building. But what I always try 
and maintain is one day on the weekend is like exclusively family and friends. Yep. Like there's no work, there's no emails, there's no nothing. It's get up in the morning, cook a big breakfast for the family. Nice. And, you know, just hang out for the day, maybe go for a walk with them and the dog, have some friends over, you know, social distancing friend visits. <laughs> and so that's that's the phase that I'm, you know, literally have just sort of started settling into in the last two weeks. And um, it feels really good to have that day where yep. you just wake up in the morning, you're like, I'm not touching work today. Not even going to think about work today. I still think about it, but yeah. I'm downstairs. I'm making bacon and hash browns. I've got like the fruit cutting up while that's going. Like I'm just this in guy. there working for family, right? So it, it feels good. And, and keeping yourself busy with the other things. Um, I, I, what I would do is I will, I'll do it for them, but I won't do it for me yet. I won't sit down and watch a show because that's for me. I'll sit down and watch something that they're watching just so I can be with them in that environment, in that presence. But man, I, I hundred percent hear you that balance between like wanting to build, wanting to grow, looking after your responsibilities, but also like just being a dad, yeah, just being a husband. Like it's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. And the thing you said about the weekends, I definitely agree. Like I should have said that like my weekends are completely shut down to like family and Good for you. that, that 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 took a little while but like it's completely shut down to just like there's no there's no schedule there's no nothing there's nothing mm -hmm. just like we just get up and it's like that 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 bruno mars song today i don't feel like doing nothing <laughs> yes. so it's just like my kids we just love that get song. up and, and we just kind of roll with it like and it's kind of usually on my wife's face so like if she says we're doing this like this is what we're doing on saturday yeah. so it's just you like got a boss. but during like yeah but during the week it's like you know that's always been something and I, even just like not even only with family time but if like even my time, mm -hmm. like I don't like at times as a creative, you don't you don't really know what's your time anymore. No. Like what is what is like I don't know what that is. My time is either building my podcast, designing something, mm -hmm. or you know what I mean? Like that's my time. Like I yeah. don't even at times you don't even know, like, okay, you know that your time could be just like watching something or yeah. reading something. You know, that's a part of your time, yeah. but or like going off, going out for a walk, reading something, doing something dude, good for dude, your brain or your body. Like walk. that's my, my struggle in what I've even the last few weeks been trying to implement every day, get out for a walk. Even if it's half an hour, sometimes I throw in like an audio book and I'll just go for a walk. But it's my, when I, when I have a moment of my time, I immediately gravitate to work, building, growing, podcasting, emailing, like so I'm, I'm trying to break that habit trying to break it dude when you come up with the, the ideal formula how at me yeah it ain't gonna work <laughs> <laughs> all right Dale. i want to turn this bus around here for you what um i want to hear about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of one that just makes your heart sing i did a project a while back you know there's always different projects especially mm -hmm. now like just like this one one this one thing though like any project that's that's a part of a nonprofit or mm -hmm. anything that's that's for a greater good it's not cool it's not anything like that those projects always you know pull my heartstrings yeah. i did a project a while back for a friend of mine um she was start starting like you know a nonprofit like the homeless and stuff like that um and 
it was a very cool project to just be a part of and to kind of dive into that world because as you know like the minute you take on a project the first thing you start doing is researching that world (laughs) you know what i mean you know what i mean and if it's not something you're into like i remember we were doing a project about dirt and we had to like you know what i mean go dive into that world of like different types of dirt and um that wasn't fun but like this specific project it was for you know homeless and you know just hearing what 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 actually is going on out there of course we know it exists but when it's like right in front of your face the content the data the data the statistics is out there in front of your face you know what i mean it's just like dang and knowing that what you're going to create is going to create some kind of appeal to either a donor to give to this 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 organization or for someone who's homeless to know that this organization exists Mm -hmm. that to me it was like you know super fulfilling and just you know, I was excited to be a part of that. Man, that's so awesome that you say that. And it's the most common thing I hear from designers is it's not the big paycheck. It's not the big award that they won on a project. It's the the stuff that they did for a nonprofit. And, and it really, th- this question and your answer specifically really tie in well to the ask it forward question from my last guest that we'll get to in a minute. Um, but that's what's so encouraging is that it's the stuff that, gives back or is for the greater good, not just for a paycheck, not just to launch a campaign, not just, you know, for that sort of thing. Because we all know, like, when you start getting to those big, big projects, most of them you can't even really talk about because there's got these, <laughs> all these NDAs going on. You can't, like, a lot, like, desires, especially, like, the young ones coming up, like, when I'm just going to tell you, I don't want to disappoint you. It's great. But most of the times, those super big projects have NDAs and you can't even really talk about it ever Mm -hmm. or until like long after. So, you know what I mean? 12 months after it's launched and all the hype (laughs) is over. By the way, I designed that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's the thing. (laughs) Awesome, man. Um, Gerald, I'm going to wrap this up with the ask it forward question here. Um, this is where I have a question for you from my last guest, and you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. So my last guest was Michael Fugoso. He is also known on Instagram as uh, Fugstrader. That's sort of his like big core title. Lots of wicked work for like space and 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 rockets and things like that out of uh, out of his corner. So he wanted to ask you, honestly. How much free work do you do? How much free work do I do? Now, honestly, now I don't do that much free work. Um, But I do do free work and I'm about to do a podcast branding soon. Mm -hmm. And it's 100% free. Um, I feel like they're probably going to try to give me an envelope. And I'm probably going to turn it down. (laughs) But like, it's not a contract thing. I'm just doing it because Mm -hmm. they good peoples and I want to help them out. So like, and can I talk a little about free work? Yeah, please. If you don't mind. Yeah. I, um, I'm, I'm so a big believer in free work. I just believe that the designer should decide that they're doing free work. No one should ever decide for you to do free work. Don't let anyone 
force you to do free work. Don't let anyone tell you they're going to do give you free work for publicity mm-hmm. and all that stuff. It, it's only your choice and your choice only to do free work. No one else's. Yeah, you know, and I can even see a scenario where where you're, you know, a customer is coming to you and they've got something that you're passionate about and they're not looking for free. They're looking for you to just sort of help them and, you know, maybe give them some sort of discount or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and just imagining like the shock and surprise of a response saying, I believe in I'll what you're it. doing. I'll do it I'll for just, free. I'll do it for free. Like, Those man. are usually some of the best moments, dude. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's such a great point. You know, the designer should decide. It kind of puts a little bit of a sour taste when somebody's coming looking for free work. Yeah. Right. It's kind of weird as an approach, but for mm-hmm. you as the designer to decide. That's awesome. I dig that. Daryl, what is the question you would like me to ask the next guest for you? All right. So I'm going to throw this out there. And due to the like the current climate mm-hmm. and the nature of my nationality i can't help but you know what i mean bring this up Mm -hmm. but my question to the next person Mm -hmm. is what are you doing to help racial inequality love that so i gotta be honest with you this um as you can clearly see through skype i'm a white male (laughs) <laughs> nah, yeah i know filter? it's a filter it's a fil- filter <laughs> um so i've i've struggled with this in recent times my wife approached me about two and a half years ago mm. and uh she at the time she was doing some social work classes on her path to be a social worker and she was also trying to become a yoga instructor not trying mm. she successfully became a yoga instructor um And between the two of those, learning about up in Canada here, our treatment of um, Indigenous peoples in the way, you know, in our country's history, um, she just dove into cultural appropriation, dove into, you know, racism and trying to understand it. Um, And she came to me one day after one of these classes and after a couple of books that she read, and she just said, "Um, you're a racist. And I went, whoa, lady, whoa. No way. I treat everybody equally. I'm kind to everybody. I don't make any decisions based on anybody's cultural background or anything like that. And she went, no, no, no. You're missing the message. You're not understanding what I'm saying. You're a racist by supporting and being a part of just this culture that's been built, this culture where mm. systemic racism is is built and ingrained in this culture. By supporting and living in that culture and not fighting against it, just you're naturally racist. And and it doesn't mean that you're a bad person and you go out and you say hurtful, harmful things, but just by supporting it. So I'll share this with you that with the last three weeks and everything that's been going on with George Floyd and the protests and things like that, it's been like my second wake up call where I see these things happen in the media over the years. And I go, this is horrible. Like, why is this happening? But I don't do the homework. I don't, I didn't do the research. I didn't really look in to further understand it. This one hit me harder than all of the previous ones. Um, So I devoted to diving in. I started like with the surface level stuff, the Netflix documentaries, like the stuff that I could, um, you know, easily digest to just try and understand it. Um, Mm -hmm. Next up is a book that I've downloaded as an audio book, trying to really learn it. And, and where I've struggled is, 
I have this little platform, this, this podcast, I have a platform. What do I do with it? How do I, how do I be a voice for change with this platform? And, and I'm still trying to figure that out. I've always wanted to have a very diverse group of guests. So if you look down my guest list, you'll see people of color, you'll see black people, you'll see um, Indian people, you know, people with um, Asian people, you'll see all sorts of designers with different backgrounds. And I like that because it creates this really unique story where every designer has something, every episode has something for somebody, no matter what their background, stories that they can relate to and all sorts of things like that. So I've interviewed a lot of immigrants and they have that immigrant story of, you know, my parents wanted doctor, engineer, you know, one of those, um, you know, cliche, cliche, (laughs) right? Those cliche real careers. But, um, you know, they wanted to be a designer and some of them had the support of their parents. Some of them didn't and had to go to it by themselves. So it's, it's such an interesting question and, and thank you for asking it. It's, it's a good one to bring up. It's a good one to keep the conversation going. And, and that's what has to happen. We have to keep the conversation yeah. going because this, like, it, it can't go on. It's crazy. And yeah, man, um, it's, it's, it's. As I said, it's crazy, and you know, for black person, you know that this thing exists. But I feel mm-hmm. like this time around, feels like something is happening. Um, feels like something in in the right direction. Feels but different. But like, if I if 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 I would say to you, like, you know what I mean? Um, I love the fact that you're doing your own research. I love the fact that you're diving in all this stuff. That's that's so amazing because like, sometimes people just don't. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I feel like this time around, everyone is. No one is not using the silent card anymore. Like yeah. no one is not saying, you know what? Mm, it's not really bothering me, so mm-hmm. let me kind of stay in my lane. Mm-hmm. The percent, at least the percentage, is 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 less. Definitely. But I say to you, man, um, what you could do for me as a black man is to make your your um, I'm not, and, I, and forgive me if you've already done this. More power to you, but to make your stance clear, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That that's what you could do for me as a black man because I feel like the more um, because I know it exists. I have tons of white friends. Like I'm about, mm-hmm. I'm gonna get on a call with like two of my close friends. They both white. Yeah. At like um six o'clock today, Eastern time. So like it's not like so. But I know that you guys talk about these things behind closed doors. But I think now it's time to let everyone know that we are all talking about this and this is like cool. Mm-hmm. So my, th- I, I love that you say that. And I have another podcast called the Print Design Podcast. And before, before episode six that I posted last Monday, not this Monday, but last Monday, um, I gave a big sort of, I think I spent like seven minutes of an intro. It's like the longest intro I've ever had. That's where, long, seven minutes. Yeah, yes, that's where long. I talk about that specifically, where people can find the resources, what I'm personally doing because it's, it's a problem. This is where I stand. But I, I, I stayed quiet on this podcast and I didn't know how to approach it. And my first thought was, well, I've had um, black guests before, so I'll get them. We'll do a panel. We'll just be Mm. like, I'll play like the honest person that I am, this white guy who's trying to figure it out and learn and understand what I can do to help. Um, But it it just didn't feel right. It just seemed, it it almost felt, and and the intention wasn't there to take advantage of the situation to have this panel. Mm. And it just didn't quite feel right. So I'm still trying to navigate how to. Do you um do you do solo episodes on here? 
Uh, very rarely. You sound like me. Yeah, you very, like, very sound, rarely. You sound like me. I can count on one hand the amount of what episodes I have. Yeah, I think I got seven <laughs> or eight, but I do I do them from time to time. So maybe that's yeah. maybe that's yeah, that's one probably something. That's, that's that's I think that's because it'd be kind of weird to kind of do that and then have a guest on, especially if the conversation has nothing to do with it. So I'd say my advice would probably do like a solo episode and make it like a public service announcement type deal. You know, mm-hmm. kind of like that feel. Like okay, as you know. You know, I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but I'm just saying. No, no, I'm like, asking you what, what should, yeah, how yeah. should I approach this as a podcaster yeah, so with I, this platform? I would say something like that. Do something that of that does that aspect. It doesn't even have to be even a long episode. You know what I mean? It could mm-hmm. be a ten, could be a ten minute episode. You could be, you know what I mean? Symbolic. I'm going to hopefully do an episode like this. I'm going to do a symbolic episode that's nine minutes long. Mm-hmm. Just for this, this just to kind of yeah. um, first show everybody how long nine minutes is for someone to be on your neck. And um, you know what I mean? Oh, so I'm going wow. to I'm, I'm, Look at I'm the connection to, there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do an episode like that um, coming up. So, but just to, just to kind of, I feel like, I feel like, because a lot of my white friends have asked me, like, Daryl, what, what, I, I just, we, it's encouraging for me personally, mm-hmm. but I think everyone needs to know, even if, even the person because they're still there. The person that thinks it's okay for stuff like this to be going on, I won't, I think it's time they start feeling like, you know what? Maybe America is not the place I need to be at. Mm-hmm. You know, so the yeah. more I feel like the more we could do something like that. Hundred percent. No, that's awesome, man, uh, Daryl. I'm so glad we connected this morning. Like the timing is perfect. Um, you know, I was able to bring up the questions that I personally had that I just didn't even expect to get into. Um, so thank you for that opportunity. Thank you for being the guests um, on this episode today. And definitely let's keep this conversation going. Dude, I'm definitely going to keep connected, man, for sure. Trust me. I, 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 I'm telling you, right, and I know you probably could say the same thing. Some of the greatest relationships I've built over the last years since I started this podcast is through the podcast. Mm-hmm. Some of my closest friends, some of my confidants, yep. like, I, I I think that's what I get out of it. There's a lot of stuff that the podcast does for me, giving me opportunity to speak and all that other stuff. But the relationships that I built, hands down, is the greatest treasure of this 100%. podcast of my podcast. Hundred percent. All right, all right. That is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Definitely go check out DP Creates on Instagram and go listen to Daryl's podcast. Passion Behind the Art Podcast. It's a gem, an absolute gem. Plenty of episodes for you to binge on over there. And speaking of podcasts, if you have not gone and checked out the Print Design Podcast, why not? It's awesome. It's great. I'm a little biased, but it is good. We interview graphic designers about print, a specific print project that they were a part of, and we dive in to all of the details. Basically, you're a fly on the wall in the boardroom of the project planning, the budget conversations, the design work, the timeline, the wins, the fails, the mistakes, all of that kind of stuff. The Print Design Podcast. Definitely go check that out. Definitely go check out Daryl's podcast, Passion Behind the Art. God, there's so many good shows out there. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next week.